Tonight we return to the topic of prayer. And for the time being, you may turn to Philippians 4. And I say for the time being because we're not going to stay there for very long. But I want you to go to Philippians 4. I'll be there in a little bit, but not right away. A couple of weeks ago, we dealt with the importance of praying for wisdom. We just read a passage from Psalm 119 about God's Word. Wisdom, all wisdom for us. You open your Bible. You hide God's Word in your heart. But you also pray for wisdom along the way. And prayer is a vital part, a part of what we ought to be doing as we read the Scriptures. As we see the Scriptures are for us, we pray that these truths would be true in our hearts and lived out in our lives. And pray that God would give you wisdom to live out the truths of His Word in every day that you live. And then last week we dealt with the topics of praying with devotion. Uh, praying with faithfulness. We cannot afford to allow our praying to become a secondary thing, a, kind of a side, a side note or a rabbit trail that occasionally we go down or occasionally we do when we think of it or, or just when we realize we desperately need God's help and now we're going to pray. We need to pray at all times. We need to pray with devotion and faithfulness. And we need to, we need to realize too, it's not a prayer is actually not secondary to the work that we're doing right now. Uh, we opened with prayer. Uh, we prayed, Eric prayed right before we opened the Word. We're going to pray when we're done, if I don't forget. And it, you should remind me if I forget. We, uh, but throughout, even as you hear truths of God's Word and you look at the Scriptures for yourself, you ought to be saying, yes, Lord, help me with that. Yes, that's true of me. I need that. You ought to be carrying on a conversation with the Lord silently, of course. We don't, we don't need you to be distracting us while we're in the Scriptures together. But, but you can do, it's amazing that you can do that. That God's not overwhelmed by millions upon millions of believers talking to Him at all times. That's incredible. I, can't, I hardly wrap my head around that. Uh, but, but God's not like us, is He? <laughs> and He is infinite and holy and righteous and he hears our prayers and we can take the truths of scriptures as we read them and then uh, we carry them out and we talked about taking action with our lives this morning and the, that action that we take is not to be separated from prayer it's to be bathed in prayer it's to be guided by the word of god and bathed in prayer now, we need the word and we need prayer Otherwise, we're not fully trusting God. If we don't go to God in prayer as we take in the Word and then give the things to Him that we're dealing with and working on and concerned about, then we discuss the issue of praying with discernment. Discernment, being watchful in prayer. Praying with discernment means praying with a watchful eye on your own life. Asking God to help you be attentive to the way you think about things. Are you thinking biblically? The way you speak about things. Are you speaking biblically? Not that you have to speak the Bible all the time, but the way you speak and the decisions you make, are they being shaped by the truth of the Word? Even our own thinking. Am I thinking biblically? Am I guarding my heart, my life, my walk with Christ against the influence of the unsafe world, uh, the devil's influence, and the, the wicked influences that are around us? Uh, it's that in the world, but not 
of the world kind of thinking that we need. We do need to be here. God's keeping us here for a reason, but we need to be careful that we're not so influenced by the world that we become like the unregenerate world without the truth of the Scriptures. So we need to guard against, and that's discernment, praying with discernment, asking God to help you see areas of your life that you need to submit to Him and to bring the wisdom of His Word to bear on in your walk with Christ. And so we must pray for wisdom, and we must pray with devotion and with faithfulness and consistency and constantly. I think we need to pray constantly. I wonder if we can get there in our spiritual lives that we're constantly, I think it was Spurgeon who said, constantly shooting little prayer arrows to heaven. (laughs) He was constantly taking things to the Lord. Not that we're detached from what's going on around us, but that we're attached and we see the needs all around us and we're giving those to God in prayer, asking for His wisdom with them. Now, all of that, and someone, again, we might be tempted to say, is prayer really that important? Is prayer really that important? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The Bible makes it clear that the spiritual discipline of prayer should be at the very center of our lives. Along with the Word of God, prayer should be right there with it and with us, making our petitions and requests to God. Does prayer really need to be at the center? I think it does. I think the Bible makes it really clear that prayer should be at the center of our spiritual lives. Not Again, it's not a side note. It's not something we add on to later, our spiritual lives. It's, it's necessary for now. Listen to what the Bible says. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Ephesians 6.19, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Luke 18.1 says of Jesus that speaking to the disciples, He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And we hear this in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And, says 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, believers are to pray without ceasing. <laughs> that's, why, that's where I get that, constantly praying. It's not that we are constantly in the middle of a prayer meeting, but as far as our spiritual lives go, we're in a prayer meeting with God all the time, talking to Him about all kinds of things. Oh, we desperately need His help with those things. And He is there to help us if we submit our will to His will being done in our lives and in this world in which we live. The Bible also commands us to pray for people who are in authority over us, And we may deal with this next Sunday evening uh, as we continue. We likely will continue with this prayer series next Sunday evening. And I'm uh, just kind of trying to go through the scriptures here as we think about praying for people who are in authority over us. And um, it's needful. It was needful before the election. We pray for those who are in authority over us before the election. It's needful now, after the election and after the inauguration this past Wednesday. We need to pray for people who are in authority over us. 
How do we do that? What kinds of things should we be praying for them? The Bible helps us with that, and we'll likely talk about that next Sunday evening. But the Bible commands us to pray for people who are in authority over us. Just a, here, just a little snippet of probably what we're going to get into next week. The idea there, when we think of the Scriptures telling us to pray for people who are in authority over us, it's, it's not that we pray only for their salvation. It's not that we pray only for God to move them to make good decisions, but we ought probably also to pray that God would protect us from them when they make bad decisions and, um, and have His way, come what may. And we'll talk about that a little bit. We're also given an example of prayer offered up for people who are uh, in this world, people are, who are our bosses, our employers, or our employees. The scriptures point to praying for people who are your, your neighbors, your countrymen, uh, praying for even praying for people who persecute you or treat you wrongly. Pray for people who envy you or pray for people who forsake you or mistreat you or pray for people who even murmur against God and, and would strike out against God. We ought to pray for those kinds of people also. Prayer is so important that we're instructed by the Bible to put the practice of prayer at the very center of our lives and along with being people who pursue the wisdom of God in the Word of God, we're to be people who ask God in prayer for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're still here on earth. And we, we ought to want for His will to reign supreme and be done in the world around us, beginning with our own lives. Uh, God knows if our attitude is, God, have your way in the world, just leave me alone. You ought to be willing to say, God, have your way with me first. Change me, make me a, a complete child of God who is seeing his needs and, and seeing the things that need to change and be conformed to your, your likeness and by your word and spirit. Help me first be like Christ and then help me point to Christ so that the world sees their need and, and sees their need for change. The Bible instructs us that the life of a believer who's walking with Christ will have a, a walk that's characterized by a growing faithfulness of consistent and constant prayer. If, if we're not growing in this spiritual discipline of prayer, it's likely our spiritual life is not growing, that we're, we're missing out on a key component of our spiritual lives if we're not praying. We could be reading our, reading our Bibles, going to church, even telling other people about Jesus. If we're not praying... We are missing out on a key spiritual component God has given us and commands that we be a part of. You know, I don't think that we're going to see great spiritual growth in our lives without prayer being there also and growing. I'm not saying we have to be perfect in prayer. I don't think any of us would probably self-identify as perfect prayers, but, but growing in Christ-likeness in this way. And so as we concluded our time last Sunday evening, we not... Uh, we not only uh, talked about that faithfulness, that consistency, that constant in, constance in prayer. We, we concluded our time last Sunday evening, as we noted, uh, talking about praying for discernment, praying with discernment. You're watching your own heart carefully before the Lord in prayer. Asking the Lord to help you be attentive to your own spiritual needs. You're asking God to expose your own sinful desires for what they are. 
And then you're asking God to help you yield to His Word, yield to His Spirit in your battle against the old sinful nature. You're asking God to help you guard your heart. And one of the ways that you guard your heart and mind against the, your adversary, the devil, is to learn to give thanks to God in all things. We ended with that. I didn't deal with it at all. I just said, we're going to deal with it next week. Now we're here. Giving thanks to God in all things. In your prayer life, being a thank a thanksgiver to God. And of course, I think if you're a thanksgiver to God in your prayer life, that thanksgiving is going to spill over into the rest of your life too. So we, we said, this is where we're going tonight. Pray with gratitude. Be a thankgiver. Be a thankful person in all your praying. Be thankful to God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. It's, it's what we hear in Philippians 4. I sent you there, didn't I? Philippians 4, look at verses 6 and 7. And I touched on it a moment ago in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the issue of prayer is touched on there. But Paul's also dealing with worry, isn't he? You see that? Uh, Philippians 4, verse 6, Be anxious. For nothing. We, we think about anxiety or, or worry. How do we deal with that? Paul's solution is to, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He also deals with gratitude. So he's pointing to the, the worry that's possible that's even likely to show up in our lives at, at times and we worry about things that seem out of our control and we're trying to figure them out and we're wishing that they would change <laughs> and what does Paul say he says be anxious for nothing don't let worry get a foothold in your life to so take those things to God in prayer with thanksgiving with gratitude thankfulness think of that Gratitude and thankfulness, it is one of the best remedies for worry, for anxiety. And here's why I say that. Thankfulness to God in prayer, as you pray to God and you're grateful and thankful to Him, and as we sang songs of praise tonight that thank God, that's, that helps tune our hearts to pray, doesn't it? And maybe that's a good reminder to sing, sing a song of praise as you're trying to tune your heart in prayer before you go to God in prayer and thank Him. But thankfulness to God in prayer takes your eyes off of what you don't have and puts them on what you do have in Christ. Thankfulness to God in prayer helps you stop fixating on what you don't have and don't have control over it helps you fixate on the things that you do have and the one who's in control. Isn't that wonderful that we have this privilege of prayer and we can go to God in prayer with thanksgiving and it helps tune our hearts to the things that are so important. 
and the peace of God. I love verse 7 in Philippians 4. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I was thinking about that passage again. It's one that I've read thousands of times, and you maybe have also. And I often pray for people who are going through difficulties, whether they be physical or financial or relationship-wise, that they will have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And I, and I started thinking about it. It's like, wait a minute. The verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It kind of changed how I think about praying that. I'm praying now that people would be prayerful about the things that they're concerned about. Not that they would just have the peace of God, like God's going to show up and give them His peace while they're worrying. I need that truth. I need to deal with the things that I'm concerned about, that I'm anxious about, that I would be likely to worry about, and you do too. If there's something that you're concerned about, you don't just need God to show up with the peace that's beyond understanding to, to give you peace in the midst of that. He, he needs for you and you need for you to, to fix your eyes on what you do have. Be thankful for what God is doing and what He promises to do. And His remedy is that in the process of you fixing your eyes on your good and gracious, loving Heavenly Father who does provide for all of your needs and knows about your deepest concerns will give you the peace of God which surpasses all understanding and that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, let's go to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4, where we began our study last week. Our need for gratitude in prayer is why Paul says here in Colossians 4 and verse 2 these words. Colossians 4, 2. Are you there? Look at, look at this verse. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Can you be a thanksgiver in all things? In all things. Can you give thanks to God in all things? Things you, you might say, honestly say, I find it very hard. I find it very hard. It, that's okay. As long as you're willing to go to the Scriptures and let the Scriptures help you and, and train you, it's okay. In our humanity, it is hard for us to give thanks in all things and for all things, isn't it? Can you really be a thanksgiver in all things? Can you really be thankful even in the middle of a disappointment, a major disappointment or, or major difficulty? What about when your hoped-for candidate doesn't get elected? <laughs> or maybe your, your hoped-for candidate did get elected. I don't know. What, what does the Bible say about this? Praying with gratitude. Really, listen to the familiar 1 Thessalonians 5 
verses 16 through 18. First Thessalonians 5.16, two words. Rejoice always. And then verse 17, pray without ceasing. And then verse 16, like bookends around pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You, this is a great one, too. If you're thinking about something that's hard and you're trying to decide, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'll tell you what you do. I know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to rejoice always. <laughs> if you're having a hard time with a difficulty or a difficult decision, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, that may not answer the difficult question that you need to answer but it's a really good step in the right direction, isn't it? As we go to God with our needs, with our concerns, we rejoice always. We pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. It is hard. It is really hard to be a thanksgiver in all things, isn't it? What about someone who sins against you? You have been wronged. And nobody notices but you. And God, but you're not thinking about that. It's important that you realize God knows. What about when someone sins about you, uh, sins against you? What about when someone wrongs you, or says something that is not true about you? How can you be thankful during something like that? Here's how. Go back to number one: praying for wisdom. <laughs> And you can be thankful that God promises to give you wisdom if you humble yourself before His Word. Put His Word in your life and ask for wisdom about how to live your life and how to make difficult decisions clearer. Bring His wisdom to bear. Ask for His wisdom. Go back to praying for wisdom. Ask God to help you understand more fully and trust His sovereignty. Remember, God is in control. That's a powerful truth that we need to drum into our minds. And we often say this, and, and sometimes we say it so much, sometimes that we think it gets overused, but I don't think we're overusing it when we keep saying, God is in control. We need to hear ourselves say that. God is in control. doesn't mean we have no responsibilities. It doesn't mean we stop praying. It means we take the word of truth and live by it, and we humble ourselves before the God who is in control and ask for His will to be done in our lives and in the world around us. The believer that's a thanksgiver in all things must first, I think, have a firm grasp on the sovereignty of God. It's going to be hard to be a thanksgiver in all things if you don't believe God is in control. Jerry Bridges. Anybody ever read anything written by Jerry Bridges? I was, I've been privileged to be in a couple of pastors' conferences where he, where he preached. And, and so now when I read his books, I can kind of hear him talking. So it's kind of fun when you meet someone who's written a lot like Jerry Bridges has. He's with the Lord now. One of the things that I repeat that he said one time uh, that I, I can't remember. What, he's, he was a really skinny fellow, and, uh, but he said he had, trouble, he, had to, he had trouble with eating ice cream every night. 
And so he was going to discipline himself and decided not to eat ice cream every night. And he said, that was a good, it was a good practice for me to discipline myself to not have a little bowl of ice cream every night. I was like, you don't look like you eat ice cream every night. He also said, I, when I'm sick, I want to be, or when I, when I die, I want to be sick. I thought that was funny. When I die, I want to be sick, he says. But he wrote a little book called Respectable Sins. Has anybody ever read that? Respectable Sins. Just, as, just a word about the title. Um, he, what he meant by that title is that some, thing, some sins, we look at them and go, oh, they're not that bad. That's, a, that's kind of our attitude towards some sins, and he called those respectable sins, and he dealt with several of those kinds of things that we look at and go, oh, that's not, we don't make a big deal of that. That's not too bad if I do that. He, he says that for the believer who wants to grow spiritually, we need to deal with those sins too. Like gossip, right, or something like that. He says this, Jerry Bridges writes in his book, Respectable Sins, we must always look to the sovereignty of God. God doesn't cause people to sin against us, but he does allow it. And it is always allowed for a purpose, most often our own growth in Christ-likeness. When Joseph was grievously sinned against by his own brothers and sold into slavery, he did not become bitter. Instead, he could say to his brothers, It was not you who sent me, but God. As Joseph said to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. I go back to that passage very often in my mind when I think about things that are going on around me in my life, things that are hard to deal with. Wait a minute. God is not wringing his hands like, what in the world is going on? What am I going to do now? No, he's in control. What God allows, he intends for good. As Jerry Bridges point, pointed out later, the good may be an opportunity for you to grow in Christ-likeness. We don't ask for those kinds of opportunities, do we? But often we need them. And God knows best, doesn't he? Maybe for us to grow in Christ-likeness or some opportunity to, to be of greater usefulness to God if we, if we mature through this difficulty that God is allowing in our lives. He said, uh, you, you may never know for sure what good God brought out of a specific situation. You may never know. We want answers, don't we? We want to know, why is this happening? And we're, we're led sometimes to think, boy, I hope something, I hope God is doing something here. Well, you can count on it. God is always doing something in every situation. He is at work. And we want to see the why or the what. And we may not get to see it this side of eternity. We need to be okay with that. Because God knows. Because God is in control. And He is at work. Can, so, so back to the question, can you be a thanksgiver in all things? Yes, you can when you let God's Word remind you of the great truth of God's sovereignty. That He is in control. And he is always doing good in all things. The believer who's learning to give thanks is a believer who has a deepening understanding of the Word of God, a deepening understanding of the sovereignty of God, who is deepening his or her roots in 
the Bible and their understanding that whatever comes their way, they can be thankful that God allowed it. Even if it's as we shed tears over our grief, over something that God has allowed, we ought to be able to help ourselves think right and say, thank you, Lord, for this. Even though this is hard, help me through this. I know that you're doing good. I may not see it. I realize that, but help me to trust you in the midst of this. That's really hard to do in our humanity, in our, in our fallen state. We need God's help for that. We have His Word for that. We have His Spirit for that. You need to know also that the thankful believer in Jesus pleases God. The thankful believer is pleasing God with their gratitude. The prayer of gratitude is pleasing to God. It's one, one of the ways you, uh, if you could put a smile on God's face, this is one of the ways you do it, right? You could, you could think of it that way. Being a thankful, grateful believer, follower of Christ. The prayer of gratitude is pleasing to God. Prayer, the prayer of ingratitude, you, you, you cannot mix those things. You can't, you can't bring ingratitude to God in prayer and have a smiling God. He's not going to smile on your, your prayer of ingratitude. God, give me this. I deserve it. I, I need this. And, and, and bringing a prayer that's thankless to God... He cannot bear. Romans 1.21 says this about people who refuse to be thankful to God. Romans 1.21, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That, that tells me God will not bear with a thankless person who is, a, who is a demanding of God and yet is ungrateful and ungrateful. You cannot expect God to answer a prayer that's not offered to Him with gratitude. Even when we grieve over our hard circumstances or the hard heart of someone we care deeply for or even grieve over our own sinfulness, we can be grateful and give thanks to God that He can use even these difficulties to refine us, to make us the people He wants us to be. I could go on and on about things that I've seen in my life that have been displeasing to God that I realize now God did not want me to do. I knew it then too. But I realize now God did not want me to do that. But He is not wasting that either. I look at things that I've done that displeased God in my life, and yet He has taken those and redeemed them in, in only a way that He can. Changing me, making me an instrument for His service as I submit to Him. And I think of uh, how I've grieved the Lord over, over times in my life, and I grieve about those things, and yet I realize, too, God doesn't waste anything. That doesn't give us a license to sin. But it gives us hope. It gives us joy to know that our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, when we sin, is not like, oh no, what did they do now? How am I going to fix that? God's still in control. And in spite of ourselves, shows up and, and will help, help us if we will submit to Him and to His truth. He will not waste even our sinfulness. He didn't waste the sinfulness of Joseph's brothers. Think of that. 
Think about a child that approaches a parent with a request that's whiny and complaining. No parent wants to reward that kind of a request, right? If a child comes to you or a grandchild comes and I want you, I can't, I have you. You don't, at least I don't think you should scamper off and give them what what they want. God's definitely not going to do that. We might give in as as parents or grandparents. We might give in to the whininess, but God will never give in to whininess on, on a believer's part. Psalm 105.1 shows us the attitude that God does want to hear from His praying children. Psalm 105.1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. And the rest of that verse is really helpful too. Make known his deeds among the peoples. You serve a mighty God who will bring justice on the earth, who will judge the earth, but he is also a gracious, loving Heavenly Father. And when we submit to him, he pours out his blessings on us. And we ought to give thanks to the Lord and call upon His name. That, as we call upon God's name, we ought to bring thankfulness along with that. As we call out to God for help, we ought to be bringing our gratitude to Him at the same time. Thank you, God. I know you're hearing me right now. Thank you, God, for the privilege of prayer. Thank you for the wisdom of your word. Thank you for your forgiveness. Are these the kinds of things that you can think of as you're bringing your petitions to God? I think those are the easy things to think of, right? But we can go on and on as we number and name the things that God has blessed us with in our lives and the people and the circumstances and the situations and the wisdom that He's helped us with. And we ought to be grateful to God with those things as we bring our petitions to Him. As Psalm 105.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name. And I think the overflow of that is this, make known His deeds among the peoples. When you bring your gratitude to God in prayer, along with your petitions, God helps change your heart and your mind, and you can't help but tell others about your good and gracious and loving and giving Heavenly Father. Colossians 3.15, we have this reminder. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be Thankful. Be thankful. I think the peace of Christ, the joy of the Lord is your strength, cannot be found without gratitude to God. Bringing your, your gratitude to God in prayer along with your request, and he, he is overjoyed to give you the peace that will rule in your hearts that will help you shape your thinking about the difficulties that you face. Charles Spurgeon addressed our need to be thankful this way. He said, It looks like a very small virtue to be thankful. Yet, dear friends, the absence of it is one of the grossest of vices. To be ungrateful is a mean thing. To be ungrateful to God is a base thing. And yet how many may accuse themselves of it? Who among us is as grateful as he should be? Be thankful. When you're grumbling at your plain food, put this as a sandwich between your bread and butter. Be ye thankful. 
when you're complaining of the east wind, the weather. Just try, if you cannot spell this little sentence, be ye thankful. When you're murmuring about those sharp pains and that long sickness, this is the kind of tune for the little bird to whistle at your window. Be ye thankful. We have all much for which we ought to be thankful, however sad we may think our lot to be. Look at the bright side. Rejoice in God. Be ye thankful. What a good word that is, isn't it? What a good word that is. Let's pray and be thankful.